friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and there tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim and Friends. I'm Tim McAuliffe saying hello to my friends. Coming to you live from the Sportsnet Studios in downtown Toronto for this Wednesday, the 10th of March, 2021. Get this thing over with. Let's move on. More friends on their way. Michael Grange, two of the biggest Kennys in sports broadcasting. Kenny the Jet Smith, and of course, Kenny Reed, Max Domi, Elliot Friedman, and of course, as always, our digital producer in charge of engaging you, the Tim and Frenesons. The Tim... Uh, might have to come up with a new name for that. Either way, like Jesse Rubinoff on hand to take your tweet. Did finger you just guns. give double? G- oh, he gave finger guns. I don't know why I did that. I saw it, it in my periphery. <laughs> it got me a little scared, a little excited. How often do you bust out the finger guns? Not very often, but I'm living the dream right now. Across from you, <laughs> right. still digesting the news that the Texas Rangers are going to be at full capacity for their first two exhibition games and opening day. I'm sorry, what? That's correct. The Texas Rangers will open to full 40,518 capacity for their two final exhibition games and opening day with plans to have socially distanced sections available in subsequent games. Everybody will have to be masked up. But still, what are we thinking here, Timmy? I don't know. So when do the Jays go there? Uh, That would be opening day. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you want to know when your team goes there, the Toronto Blues. So they open with the Yankees. That's right. But they're in for the Rangers opening day. That's correct, yeah. Good luck to them. (laughs) Woosa. Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey coming your way a little later. Uh, It's a late start tonight. Uh, Hockey Central, 7.30 Eastern sends in Oilers. That's at 8 p.m., Eastern, six local, late game Sportsnet Pacific, Montreal and Vancouver, 11 p.m. Eastern start time, eight local, starting goalies in this one, a rematch. Thatcher Demko and Carey Price, very interesting. Both goalies finding their way. We'll see if they can continue that tonight as the Canucks take on the Montreal Canadiens. The North is getting real interesting. Still think that the Leafs are the best team in the North. Yeah, I said it, but I don't think it's too thin a limb that I'm standing out on. I will say this. The Jets match up really well, and those top six forwards are way better than a bunch of people only watching the Leafs realize. The Buds coming off three straight regulation losses for the first time under Sheldon Keefe are now just five points up on the Jets. Winnipeg also with two games in hand with two more to play. In this three-game set, never mind the Habs, Oilers, and Canucks, all in action tonight. The North is fun, kids. Enjoy it, please. Elliot Friedman, Kenny Reed, Max Domi. Hockey, hockey, hockey. A little later on. I got some ball for everyone. Coming up in mere moments from now, Michael Grange, who might just have some different sources than Ryan Rossillo, who said that Kyle Lowry is telling everyone that he's getting traded. Grange is actually sitting right over there. I'll... Bring him into the fray in a, fl- in a flash, in a flash, in a flash. TNT's Kenny the Jet Smith, fresh off of All-Star Sunday, drops by into the friend zone. But we focus on Florida and Dunedin for first things first. Uh, 
The Toronto Blue Jays have established themselves as Canada's team. We've seen it in Toronto, Montreal, Seattle, Minnesota. Hell, across North America, the scenes that follow the Jays on the road are crazy, sometimes spectacular. But with all that love comes pressure as well. And over the last couple days, maybe weeks, I've watched as Jays fans from coast to coast have lamented the signing of another not-quite-front-line starter or even second starter, like Jake Odorizzi going to Houston for a two-year deal that read like just over $20 million, or the big maple James Paxton, like a lot in B.C., sending himself to Seattle. One year worth $8.5 million to $10 million, depending on incentives. And I get it. Those are names you know, and you want the best possible team on paper. But we all know games aren't played on paper. Games are, of course, played by little men in our television sets. I mean, if there was one fan base you think would get the team that wins the offseason doesn't always win, it would be Jays fans. Gosh, Johnson. Sorry, Dickey. Jose Reyes. Sorry, that's, it's... I got a cough. Winning the offseason in 2013 did nothing for the Toronto Blue Jays. In fact, they finished dead last in the division. I get it. Sometimes the offseason can be more confusing than a German trying to explain baseball. I'm watching now a little bit your baseball here in America. This game is the most confused game of that I'm knowing. I enjoy football. You say soccer. We have a ball. We have a net. We have a net. Kick in, boom. You kick it. Did the ball go in net? Boom, point. We are finished. Next time. Now we go again. Ball, ball, point, boom, net, net, ball, net, done. Now baseball. Oh, okay. We have we have some we have some pillows. We have some pillows on the dirt, and then we have some grass. And then we have people to stand all around to make a grabbing of the, of the downstairs, grab of crouch, look around, look around. Then man with stick is there. And then man look at stick man and look at man with glove and he make like this one. Well, for like, I don't like one minute with a man. Right. And then, then he, boom, he throw, throw a ball to the stick man. And the stick man may hit if he make a miss of three times, then out. But if four times the, the, but the throw is bad, boom, then he may walk to a pillow. Or if he make a hit of ball and it go to the side of the paints, then it is a more, more hits and hits and hits. But if he hit a ball very far, then he may run on all the pillows around the pillows. <laughs> And sometimes someone is stealing the pillows. And sometimes a man is, if you hit a man with a ball, then he may run to the pillows. And many people, they, and the boys, the boys, the boys in the, in the, in the, in the uh, trench, they sit in the trench and they look around and they, and they spit, 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 spit in the head. And then clap, clap and spit, spit. And then they run, then they run to the field. And then they make a trade in nine times, but time out on the seven, after seven times of run on field, 
everyone sing a song about popcorn. <laughs> I don't know what I like more, pillows, spit, or the song about popcorn. Listen, I'm not saying, oh, I don't know how we move on from that so quickly, but I'm going to try. I'm not saying Odorizzi couldn't help. I'm not saying Paxton couldn't help or that Nate Pearson and the groin issue didn't make the problem worse. But there is some real-world things don't happen in a vacuum to all this. First off, Odorizzi's deal reads, at least the headline, two years and just over $20 million, But it could be worth as much as three years and $39 million. Yeah, but 2019, he was good, Tim. Yes, and that was sandwiched by a pair of not-so-great years from Odorizzi and some injuries. Second thing, Stephen Matz looked pretty good yesterday. Ross Stripling looked pretty good today. And let's not forget that while Stripling may have been looked at as a bullpen piece, he started 22 games in the last two seasons for the Dodgers, who at last check had a pretty good rotation. Add Robbie Ray, Tanner Roark behind Hyunjin Ryu, and you can see a bunch of guys that could end up being capable of what? Four starters? And given last year at least, isn't that what Paxton and Odorizzi profile as right now? Throw in finding out what guys like Anthony Kay, TJ Zoik, and Julian Mayweather are, or Merriweather are, in addition to Ray Match, Stripling, Hatch, etc., and I'm okay with all of this. And the reason why I'm okay with all of this is that even if none of these guys work, which probably won't be the case, but even if none work out, you're just kind of back where you were last year and you hit the deadline looking to pick up this season's Robbie Ray and Taiwan Walker. Listen, I get it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, especially for Shapiro and Atkins, but when you got George Springer and Marcus Simeon, would you trade either of Odorizzi or Paxton for Springer or Simeon? Hell to the nod. Don't be greedy. Rome wasn't built in a day, my friends. Build it right, not fast, and it will last. But then again, that's just one man's opinion. Here on Tim and Friends, it's not just one man's opinion. It is the collective, my friends. And in two days, we have leaned on over 15 different voices and the hits just keep on coming. Joining me for episode three is a dude that I have respected for years and might be the columnist who gets the most texts from me saying, that was a hell of a piece, or thank you for articulating what I've been trying to say on air for the last two weeks, and you just did it three times better than I ever did. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the first co-host of the day, my friend and yours, Michael Grange, everybody. Seb, I know you're working the camera, but we only have three people in here, so you got to clap. How are you, buddy? Is it bad if I clap for myself? No, that's not bad at all. There's not many people in here. Yeah. It's, it's so weird to be with people. It's yeah. just like, whoa, that's we're doing. We're like pandemic hockey, basketball, baseball. We're piping in our own audience here, too. Uh, so how you doing, man? I am uh, very well. I have no complaints. My family is healthy. Good. Still have a job. Good. I complain about nothing. I keep saying 2021 good. I'm 2021 good. Yeah. I got a job. Everyone's healthy. Yeah. Perspective. Um, what I was trying to say is that you're one of the most 
respected basketball journalists in this country. And yesterday, we brought up the speculation about Kyle Lowry's future with the Raptors. Then I saw your piece on <laughs> sportsnet.ca. I'm going to steal a quote from it, and you can add the context around this quote in a flash. But for those who haven't seen it, and shame on you if you haven't seen it, go to sportsnet.ca and read Michael Grange's column. We'll tweet it out from our account as well. But the quote, Lowry is not going to be dealt before the March 25th deadline. To quote a great man, what up with that? <laughs> I just don't think it's going to happen. And more importantly, it's not what I think. But as I talk to people who would be in a position to know, yeah. um, they don't think so either. And there's a bunch of different reasons for that. But, you know, primarily it's, the market that you might imagine for Cal Lowry is really quite narrow. And it says nothing about the value he'd present to almost every, well, let's say it, every single team in the NBA. But any team trying to win a title, Kyle Lowry would fit right in. He's one of a guy, it doesn't matter if you have a point guard. One way or the other, he's going to make your team better. Right. Um, but the reality is um, it'd be very difficult for the teams that to make the most sense to engineer a deal for him. And on the flip side of that, the benefit to the Raptors of making something like that happen is low. And that's why I wasn't really that surprised when I did talk to people, multiple people, right. who are in a position to have a pretty good sense of what Kyle Lowry thinks and what he's really, you know, where he wants to take his career. Right. And they were all very consistent that they don't see him as trying to push his way out or expecting to be traded. And that's to say nothing of, of some of the reports we've seen who are you know, from pretty credible people as well. Right. But um, you know, I just think sometimes the simplest thing is what's most likely to happen. But I think the real key here, Tim, okay. is not what's going to happen between here and March 25th. Although that's very, that's my follow -up. very exciting. That's my follow-up. You asked your follow-up. No, no. I, I, I think this is really, really important. Like, so what happens in the offseason? Right. I mean, and that's what I, I it was really what I was writing about today is, yeah. is regardless of what happens between now and March 25th, and I, I might be wrong. Like, mm -hmm. things change. This is not a league that carves things in stone. Let's, no, let's be honest. No, not at all, yeah. Um, you know, the Raptors, some way, shape, or form, are going to have to recognize and deal with how to move past Kyle Lowry, the Kyle Lowry era, everything he's meant to a city, a country, a franchise, what he of all stands time. for. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of what a lot of thinking and energy is going into right now. Both, you know, I think Kyle is thinking about these things. I right. think the people have to make some of these decisions are thinking about these things. And that's going to be, to me, the real interesting uh, development, regardless of what happens uh, Presuming he does not get traded on March, May 25th, March 25th, which I don't think is going to happen. I, I'm not going to throw stones at the people who are reporting the other side of this because there is some common sense to trading Kyle Lowry. You get assets back, or so you would hope. You give Lowry the chance to get another deal, perhaps off of a deep playoff run or even a championship, depending on the team that he went to. But is there... Okay, here's what intrigues me the most, and I'm going to go here because we only have four minutes left in the segment, and you might have to stay with me here. Could the Raptors keep Kyle Lowry next year? Talk about maybe a little bit of a lower deal in the offseason, if they can get him under the $31 million that they're paying him this year, and then use the money that they were saving for Giannis Antetokounmpo or 
to be able to sign Giannis Antetokounmpo to that max deal and come back with their core three, the young guys, Lowry, and then whatever piece you add, that's a pretty damn good team. Here's the trick with that, okay. Tim. And, and the answer is yes. And I wrote about that. Uh, absolutely, Kyle Lowry. It's not like this is his last season in Toronto. Right. Everything's on the table. But what I would say is this. If you are Kyle Lowry, he absolutely, in his mind, is, is right to think he should be in line for another, you know, the Philadelphia Inquirer reported two years, $30 million. That's what he's been making the last four seasons, five seasons. You mean 60 total? Yeah, 60 total, yeah. let's just say. That's what he's, uh, that's, he's been making $30 million bucks now for four years. He's playing just as well as he, as he did four or five years ago. There's been no slippage whatsoever. Right. So why should he take a step back? He keeps himself in perfect condition. Why can he, There's no reason I see that he couldn't continue to play at that level for the next two, three years. Two years for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're the Raptors and you're trying to add $30 million bucks onto a payroll that, if you're including Chris Boucher, is nearly 80 million for four players uh and that's not to say what you're going to do with norm powell it's complicated and so do you really want to get into a situation where you're trying to kind of lowball i won't say lowball but but right. you know you're not going to give kyle lauer what he wants so maybe the solution there is everybody is is grown up about it you let kyle lauer go out into the market see what there is out there for him I mean, I think a franchise like Miami uh, would look really, really favorably at Kyle. I think Kyle would really love to be able to drive his convertible Ferrari right. all year, all winter again. Right. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, you could see that fitting. But is Miami going to offer him? We don't know what they would offer. But once they do, and if they do, and whoever else is in the mix, then all of a sudden Toronto looks like a really good option. Maybe this, the value of finishing your career in, in Toronto uh, is, is greater in Kyle's eyes when you know the full picture of what's out there, but you only know when you get out into the market. I think that's how it's probably going to play out. Um, and, and, but whatever happens, I think the number one emphasis of everyone involved is that it, they part like grown-ups. And right. you have the most important player in franchise history able to leave on good terms and one day come back, either retire as a Raptor or come back to retire as a Raptor, and, you know, the, the, I think the highest premium right now over getting a couple of second-round picks or whatever you might right. get out of a deal is making sure that this legacy remains uh, un, unsullied, that the relationship the, remains strong. The good thing is that, and I don't know if I've ever said this before, it seems like the player, management, and the fans are all on the same page when it comes to what you're saying about Kyle Lowry, and that's very rare. I think so, too. And, yeah. But the, the, the fly in the ointment would be, you know, if you Something were trying happens. to maximize your, your right. return and sent Kyle to Sacramento, that'd be a bad move. Right. Or similarly, if Kyle kind of overplayed his hand and thought, you know, I'm, I'm Kyle Lowry, give me four years, 120. Right. So I, I don't think any of those things are going to happen, and, but I think that's where this is all leading towards. Right. Uh, Michael Grange is a true pro. I'm going to pull back the curtain because that's what we do in this show. So for the last uh, minute of his answer... I was frantically trying to log onto my computer that I was logged out of. <laughs> was that what that That's was? That's what I was doing, yeah. And then I was going to go and get a tweet, and then I realized halfway through all of that nonsense 
Jesse's sitting right over there with a computer, and his job is to get tweets for us. And meanwhile, meanwhile, I thought, oh my God, I'm losing the only uh, the only person I've seen, the only person I've spoken live to in a year. Grage is such poor. a pro; he just powered through it while I was doing that. But Jesse, uh, we got news on the Raptors, and it seems as though they're still dealing with the COVID issues. Yeah, I don't want to rain on the parade. We're talking about how great Kyle Lowry is, but uh, March 11th against Atlanta, the following will be out for the Toronto Raptors: OG Ananobi, Malachi Flynn, Patrick McCaw, Pascal Siakam, and Fred VanVleet, all due to health and safety protocols Terrence Davis dealing with a left ankle sprain so still the protocol situation for the Raps not looking very good and they are in the thick of a I guess playoff race currently the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference so not great not what you want to see when it comes to the health and safety issue and a little interpretation of that that says suggests to me that all of the all of them actually did test positive for the mm-hmm. virus um, had they just been in in contact tracing they would have been their Cleared week would have been over had, and and so that suggests that so the next kind of variable here is did, were they asymptomatic and then it's about a 12 day from from their test right. if they exhibited symptoms then then you get into some longer uh, longer absences I'm glad we had the professional Michael Grange in here to break all that down so significant news for the Toronto Raptors on a bunch of different fronts including uh, they might not be able to trade Lowry because they need to play him for 48 <laughs> minutes. All right, time for our first break. Mike's sticking around for a couple more segments, including an interview with Kenny the Jet Smith, fresh off All-Star Sunday in the ATL. Tim and Friends, the sports person's sports show. Got to stop thinking of things in the fly. I'll clean that up. Just don't flip. We're just getting started. This is not fair. 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 Oh, it's not. It's over. It's over, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my goodness gracious. It is over. Oh, cabin down. I love it here, man. I love it. Let's go. Get me out the bubble. Up high, looking down low, scores. Max Domi just drills it. Oh, man. Hey, what's going on, CFL fans? If you smell what the XFL is cooking. Because in my opinion, they touch the ball. Not when they call the Neo didn't touch the ball and then change on the idea. The other one, and they didn't go to watch. This is not fair. Tim and friends, my friend at this hour is Michael Grange, uh, Kenny the Jet Smith, Max Domi, Elliot Friedman, and Kenny Reed joining us on this edition of Tim and Friends. Michael, uh, I just saw one of the Twitter headlines uh, that said from the Wall Street Journal, he just spent $175,000 on digital trading cards. They're now worth $20 million. You, you know Kenny Reed's a bit of a sports card nerd, right? Like you've seen him opening I, I, the packs I've and stuff. I vaguely gleaned that. <laughs> right. you're, you were able to I've pick got that up? the impression. Do you think Kenny has embraced this or hates this? Oh, he hates it. <laughs> like, right. Is that a real question? <laughs> yes. If maybe something he'll... that took something that Kenny loves dearly mm-hmm. and used technology to fundamentally alter it. <laughs> Of all the humans right. in all humanity, right? who's the least likely to embrace that? I just, that we know. I wonder if the collector in him is intrigued by this. He's not. No, okay. He hates it. 
Okay. We, we Although, may- Steve Lung, yeah. who is the NBA editor, yeah. apparently bought some of these things. NBA Top Shot? For, I'm down with the kids. I, th- I think he bought it for like he t- it was twenty $9. bucks, and he sold it for fourteen bucks. Sold it for two hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, I'm least. like, what? Now I'm least. interested. Maybe later on in the show we'll walk this road, Jesse. Little tease, technology mm. and stuff. Oh, a little technology <laughs> and stuff. I heard we- it's big. I hear technology is going to be big. I hear digitization. Yeah. yeah. I might influence. Don't it. get in the way of it. Might influence some yes. people. Yes. <laughs> I heard. I heard. Uh, all right. What else you got for us, Jesse? Do you have we anything on some, Lowry? Yeah. You got anything on that first segment? That we got some responses to the Kyle Lowry Good. situation. Right. Ian writes in, however this Kyle Lowry situation shakes out, I'm going to need him to retire as a Raptor one day, contract or otherwise. I couldn't stand to see him retire with anyone else, and I don't think Ian is alone in that sentiment. That's, that's going to happen, isn't it's it? It's going to happen. Yeah. Okay, we got the sign-off from Michael Grange. That's definitely going to happen. Grange, too solid. Like, <laughs> not getting traded, and that's going to happen. Oh, you couldn't see the nod either, but he was nodding. That was yeah, most was. definitely was happening. A, hair was moving and everything. <laughs> uh, we got one more. Uh, Sandra writes in regarding Lowry. I guess you have to look at what counts more, points per game or clutch scores when it really counts. His value is so much more than getting baskets, and I think everyone knows that about Kyle Lowry. The man does it all. Is it? Like, I'm, I'm just going to do this. Has a guy's reputation changed more than Kyle Lowry's changed from the year that they were bounced with DeMar DeRozan by LeBron again to the championship, to the all-star game? Like, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy's reputation change more and be appreciated for the things that he brings to the table. Absolutely. And I think part of that is is he did... You know, small sample size. He did play better. He had a few rough playoff series, but yeah. since it's been that's been changed. But I think, and I've said this about Kyle, the most important element in that change is people have come to understand basketball better because of him, right? right? Like, you know, I think uh, we've always been able to understand why a hockey player can contribute. I say the royal we, mm-hmm. um, although can we say royal anymore? Is that right. bad? Get Royal's bad. Yeah, yeah. The uh, but we <laughs> it's institutional. You can Mike. see in in. In other sports where people can contribute, make impacts without counting numbers. Right. And I, I think what's really, what Kyle's done and what he'll always be remembered for is he's allowed people to really, really appreciate that you can have an amazing game with nine points and seven assists. You can right. control the game. And every once in a while, I'll go off for 39 and nine assists. You know, you know it's Pretty funny. Good. Yeah. And I, I agree with you, but it also speaks to the fact that you can't just have one or two guys on a team unless they're LeBron James and Anthony Davis per se. And I think we've come to, like, I think the institutional we, Mike, uh, the royal we, we've all come to realize what the hell that means, right? Like, it was on DeMar and Kyle to do it or it wasn't going to be done. And then you add Kawhi to the mix and you begin to realize, oh, well, that guy's really good. And then you surround him with three other really good players then they're allowed to just be what they do really well. Right. And that allowed Kyle to shine like he had never shone before. Yeah. And and that, and just his growth as a person and everything else. I mean, it's been an amazing eight years, and you hope there's more to it because right. it's it's been, uh, you know, you, 
teams and players, they don't have these kind of relationships all that often. So no. you got to cherish them. Yeah, especially these days. So when you got one, make sure that it counts. Uh, anything else you got there, Jesse? Yeah, uh, pretty big news story from earlier today. The CFL and XFL exploring opportunities to align two football leagues potentially coming together. So I ask Tim and Michael, what do you guys think about The Rock making his name with potentially the CFL? It would be the second time because he was once cut by Wally Buono in Calgary, as we've seen a couple times before. Did, the problem with this is that even if it's a great idea, right now it seems half-baked. Oh, for sure it's half-baked. Uh, I think the struggle I think you're going to have with it, I think there is a market and it makes sense that you'd have another layer of football under the NFL. Like, you know, every other sport has yeah. really important leagues be below uh, that major league, so to speak. But what makes the CFL special is that it's Canadian. And, and, and I think if you try to just market it as, you know, AAA baseball or something like that, or the AHL, which are both amazing levels of competition, it's not special. It, and, 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 I mean, having seven Canadian starters on a team, 21 Canadian on a roster, you playing three-down football itself, all of those things are make the CFL what it is. Right. And I think it, you just mess with that at your, at your peril. Here's what pisses me off about this is immediately, because it's half-baked, people go to the next, oh, they're going to play four-down football? Oh, they're going to play American games? They're going to get rid of the Canadian players and do what they did the last time the CFL went down to the States and not come to some sort of conclusion because the CFL doesn't do this properly and this isn't the first half-baked idea but let me let me offer this and maybe i'm just being smarter than they are or maybe i'm protecting them i have no idea what it is but if you played the entire season of the cfl and the xfl played at the same time and you handed out the gray cup and the xfl which would take a lot played three down football because it's more exciting and a little bit different and then played a game at the end that appeared on both national networks would you really be pissed off at a Canadian Football League XFL partnership. Best team in CFL history is the Baltimore Stallions. <laughs> Why? Because they were American. They were all American. They did lose in a great cup. Okay. All right. There was but, one they lost. But I, I just think that's, one. that's where you're going to run into, and it's no disrespect to the amazing Canadians that play in the CFL, but I think if you're allowed to, if, if you are required to play, to have a roster that has a quota system and you're playing against teams that don't, you're going to have a tough time. And, and, and then where's the fun in that? Well, I, th I think they'd be competitive immediately off the bat if they played three-down football, if they played it in a three-down format. And to be honest with you, the best Canadians aren't that much worse than that level American. Oh, I, it's no disrespect whatsoever. Yeah. I'm just going from the, you know, the example we saw when there was teams in the U.S. who didn't have the import rules, and you know, if they were properly managed and played the game properly, uh, as Baltimore did with Tracy Ham and the rest, you know, it, it, I just think it makes I'm it. Gonna, tough. I'm going to fight for the Canadians on this one, <laughs> but stop half baking ideas and sending like them out. That's like a that, good point. That to me is the. You got to understand what the second paragraph is of your press release before you send it out. Bingo has been called, and if it ends up being something cool, all you've done is have a. And maybe it's a trial. Maybe they did the. Maybe I'm not giving them enough credit. Maybe they are actually throwing it out there to see where people go with this, and then react to whatever the hell it ends up being. Uh, I got a text here. Um, I don't know if you saw this. It's from Elliot Friedman. You got the same text. 
Uh, it says, have someone help Mike with the Trump-like makeup on the top of his forehead. Oh, man, thanks. Uh, um, that's that's exactly to, the kind of text you want to get. We, we get have it. to do our own makeup in these COVID times, sit as far apart as, we're, as we are right now. But I'm going to say this. It's because of all that hair. And you just didn't want to put the makeup in the hair. Like, I don't have that problem. I just, wow. I just basically paint I didn't my even, There's not even a mirror here. <laughs> it's true. Well, we got to address the elephant in the room. I don't, I don't, now, that I'm, now that I'm getting... He looks you know. better than he did in quarantine. Wow. Check that out. There you go. <laughs> F- figures the tweet. The man would, has cleaned up. Figures the tweet would come from Fridge if that's the. <laughs> he's very. He's very conscious of these things. Is he? Oh yeah. You should, turtle that guy. Turtle that guy. Turtle that guy. You know that dude. Listen, man. <laughs> don't get me started. He tried right. to steal my thunder with the beard. There's a. There's a. Po- oh come on, man. <laughs> you didn't want us to read it on air. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We all know the makeup's bad. We're doing it ourselves. Leave it alone. Time for a break. Shout out to the great makeup people. We want them yes, back. Yes, we do want them back. Uh, fresh off his all-star weekend in Atlanta, Kenny the Jet Smith stops by with his thoughts on the weekend. Fridge, do not text us. You know if you text us, we're going to read it on the air. Plus, his reaction to Grange's article that the Raptors won't be dealing Kyle Lowry at the deadline. Kenny the Jet Smith next on Tim and Friends. It's called Tim and Friends, Fridge. Text go on the air. I'm sorry. Apologize. Kind of. This is Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show, Coast to Coast and live on Sportsnet and the Sportsnet family of channels. The name of the show has changed. The actual show has changed. But our friends, many of them have stayed the same. And that's a good thing because I would have fought dudes if we lost our next guest. One of the best in the business, bar none, straight out of Archbishop Malloy, and you say New York City, Kenny the Jet Smith. Kenny, welcome back to the show, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> we're all, we're all, hey, it's good to see you guys back in that studio. Uh, I, I, I love all the little subtleties that you have in the background. That's what I miss more than anything. So having those subtleties, I'm happy to see those things. And that's because... All the little trinkets that you got to extra zoom in to see you guys. <laughs> and, and that's because you don't want to look at our fat heads and ugly faces. You'd rather look at all the little trinkets in the back. Exactly. Um, then you see us, I'm home, and Zoom school's going on all around me. Oh, my goodness. I had the exact same... I, my wife's a teacher, too. So I had two kids in class and a teacher doing the Zoom school. I couldn't walk into a room, Kenny. Man, look, I don't. I, if I hear what's what's the square root of one more time, <laughs> I got a lot I'm gonna of. Lose my mind, man! I'm gonna lose my mind. I got a lot of, of insert name here. Can you please turn on your camera? Can you please? Can you please turn on your camera, please? Can That's you please all... turn off your camera? <laughs> can you... yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, I know the NBA would never go for it, but I'm going to be honest here. I kind of enjoyed the condensed All-Star weekend format. Like, I kind of felt like All-Star Saturday, despite the wonderful broadcast, Kenny, can drag a little bit. Am I the only one that kind of liked the condensed format? I think you liked the fact that you didn't have to watch. Like, it wasn't disjointed. However... A three-man dunk contest with three guys is not enough. Like, you know, because 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't think I like it. No, I don't like it. <laughs> it needs two days. It definitely needs two days. Because especially if you got multiple guys that's going to do multiple events. Like, if I'm Steph Curry, I'm not going to do skills challenge, three-point contest, and a dunk contest all in the same day. But I might do two events on Saturday and then the game on Sunday. So you can get the best players participating in a lot of stuff. Um, it did show we don't need all those events. <laughs> Maybe that. Maybe. Didn't show that. Yeah, maybe. We don't need all those events. Maybe. Hey, Kenny, uh, I read some interesting comments from Steph Curry where at the end of the day he said he kind of liked it. You know, we all heard what people were saying going into the event. Um, Nick Vucevic, you know, he sounds like he had a great time, right? He brought the, basically his wedding party in, in and stayed with him and things like that. And um, you were there. What do you think the honest feeling was about guys being Atlanta even for a one-day event, was it was it as were they as hesitant about it um, as we all heard them going in, or, or did when they got there did they kind of find a way to enjoy themselves? No, I, I don't know if they found a way to enjoy themselves off the floor, but I think during this this time having more to day in a pandemic having more than one day they would have been they would have gone crazy because most guys get to All Star Weekend honestly on Thursday night, like fifty percent of the people who participate get there Thursday night. So they're there Thursday all the way through Sunday, and they enjoy every minute of it. So, yeah, it, it, it would have been, you know, if, if you, but you're staying in your room. Restaurants are far and few. You're in this pseudo bubble that everyone was in. I wouldn't have, I was only there one night in this bubble, and I was like, I don't want to be here more than this, you know. So, but in a normal setting, like you walk around All-Star Weekend, it's like you're seeing your favorite trading cards walking all around the, the – yeah. The, you know, the, the city, you know, you're in a hotel and you'll see Dr. J, you'll see LeBron, you'll see Shaq and Chuck. And, you know, then you'll see the rookies, you'll see LaMelo Ball. Like you get to see all of those things. And if we're here, you know, you don't get to see that and feel that excitement that the city would bring. Seems like trading cards is a running theme of the day here. Uh, before we move on from All-Star Weekend, would you stop sleeping on the big guys trying to prove themselves in the skills challenge? Please. You, you know they're trying harder than everybody else because they know that someone's saying the guards are going to win. Just stop sleeping on them. There's no way that I would let a big guy ever beat me in a skills challenge. <laughs> First of all, and we need to up the skills. Dribbling around the cone is not a skill. <laughs> That's not a skill. You know, I, I, I can get anyone to dribble. I have an eight-year-old daughter. She can dribble around those cones. Can you go between your legs, behind your back, and spin and do it? That's the the skills challenge needs to be better skills. <laughs> Throwing a ball through a, a empty circle. That's not a skill to me. Right. That's not a skill. I got you. Make, Truth. Truth. You know, is not a skill at full speed. That's not a skill. All right, I'm going to move on, and I'm going I'm to pat my co-host on the back here. Michael Grange reported that Kyle Lowry ain't going nowhere. Uh, I feel even though a trade could probably benefit both Lowry and the Raptors, his staying is good for a team that prides itself on having good culture. Do you think that's important too, Kenny? Yeah, I, I think it is. I think you want to. You always want to reflect the fact of what you've done for people put in service. Even if he gets traded, I don't know, you know. But if, if he stays, you always want to, like even last year, by rewarding him with the contract. You know, it's just you want to reward people sometimes more 
than they would probably get on the open market based on their loyalty to you and your and their and their efforts that they put in. Because what Kyle Lowry has done has been able to to make you know Masai one of the top executives, so, uh, the general manager one of the top GMs now. He's able to make other players around them. He's able to make you know fans come to the arena that typically wasn't coming to Toronto games. So why wouldn't you reward him extra at times? Uh, so yes. That is a part of what we call culture. That is part of what we call uh, good business. Um, and if there is a goodbye, there better be a correct goodbye. I, w- I was going to ask you that, Kenny. W- what do you think is the key when we do see teams and players move on because it's the right point in their careers and, and the tra- trajectory of, of each? What's the key from a player's point of view from keeping it amicable and – uh, letting everyone kind of preserve what has been an amazing relationship. Everything, everyone's different, honestly, but it's easy to read because if Kyle Lowry is sitting there with Masai on the day they get tra- that he gets traded, or if he ever got traded, you would say, "Oh, they're sitting there together because this was a joint effort." When it becomes this guy's doing a press conference in the city he's going to, and the and the general manager or the president of the team is trying to do something and, and have one over, then it's just join it. When they both sit down, it's an amicable dis- decision based on the needs of the franchise at that time. And bad franchise get it wrong every time, no matter if they have great players or not. And the one thing that I always say, you could have a bad franchise and still have a good team. You can have a good franchise and have a bad team. I'd rather be on a good franchise any day than a winning bad franchise. Mm. Kenny the Jet Smith, if you uh, watch basketball, you know the voice. He's joining us here on Timid Friends. Listen, it's no secret for years that dudes didn't want to sign in Toronto. Um, they're going to have some money in this offseason, no matter what happens with Kyle Lowry. I'm not saying it's L.A. I'm not saying it's New York. I'm not saying it's Miami because I'd rather be in Miami right now or even Boston. But is Toronto becoming a more attractive uh, destination to American players who used to just think of it as the frozen outpost of the NBA? Oh, without question, because most of these players, you know, be, once, once the, the Raptors started going deep into the playoffs, then players are spending, you know, four and five days in a city. Um, news reporters, which is probably even more people like myself, uh, you know, but or more people with the beat writers, they're in those cities talking about how great the city is. So, um, it definitely helps winning. The winning did it. You know, when when you're only in there for regular season, most teams are only in there for a day and a half, and they come in and they all of a sudden it's snowing and it's cold. They go, oh, this is not the place to be, you right. know. But when they get to spend time there in May <laughs> and June, they're like, well, how do I sign up? <laughs> like, this is the place to be. And they don't feel so distant. You know, it doesn't feel like it's a foreign, you know, country. Right. You know, they, you, know you got to think about it. We have, just like in Canada, you probably, people who live in certain parts of Canada and Ontario that's never been to the United States. There's, these guys that grew up in, in, in playing in the league, never been out, a lot of them never been out the country right. until they've been in the NBA. So this is all new to them. And they're not savvy 30-year-old men. These are 19, 20-year-old should still be college students. Right. So knowing what 
Toronto is as a country, I mean, as a city and Canada is as a country, they have no idea. They're, all they've done is seen what's on television, on a commercial. They have no idea. If it's not in a movie, they have no idea how it looks. Uh, there are there are two seasons in Toronto. There's patio season and there's every time else in <laughs> Toronto. Kenny, we love uh, that you keep stopping by, even though it's called Tim and Friends and not Tim and Sid. Appreciate you dropping by after All-Star Weekend. Man, you're just big time, Tim and Friends. We're just friends, man. <laughs> I see we're just friends. How man. many <laughs> of us have been friends? <laughs> Ones we can depend on. All Let's right. be friends. Yes. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you, Kenny. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, there is Kenny the Jet Smith uh, of TNT. A New York City guy. I was thinking if we had time, but we don't really. I wonder if the Brooklyn Nets are not just the other team in New York. Do you think they're making that step right now? Well, they got to win. I yeah. think they got to win because there's been maybe even more buzz about the Knicks just being a playoff team. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, it's, it's like the Lakers Clippers, man. It's yeah. like decades and generations. Yeah. So you it's gotta a tough haul. win the actual championship before you get there. They are the favorites to win the East at plus 100 and significant favorites. Uh, listen, thank you for doing this on day three. I really appreciate it. My honor. And uh, I'm always here for you, friend. All right. I, uh, Anytime, friend. Keep writing stories like you've had in the last little while, and we will keep ringing and Do Michael up and bringing him in. So it looks like Kyle Lowry, according to Michael Grange, you can see it on sportsnet.ca right now, will remain a Raptor through the deadline. Again, head to either our Twitter account to see the story or sportsnet.ca again. Michael, thank you for being a friend. Travel up the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a friend and a confidant. Coming up, as a wise man once said, hockey, hockey, hockey. Hour two of Tim and Friends featuring Kenny Reed, Elliot Friedman, and Max Domi. Do us a favor, stick around. We get paid to do this. Mark Strong, Raptors PA announcer. Love it. Welcome back to hour two of Tim and Friends. Plenty of hockey coming up this hour. Ken Reed will join me in studio in a few moments. We know Ken knows hockey cards, but does he know NBA Top Shot? We may have to explain it after that opening hour of this show. Plus, we'll be joined by Max Domi of the Columbus Blue Jackets and Elliot Friedman, who chirped privately on a text. I read it aloud on the air, and he's now mad at me. But first, let's get you set for the night in the North Division. Two games on the schedule, including the Sens and Oilers, and Scotia Bank was a night hockey tonight. I don't think that's a soccer. It's the second of three straight meetings between the teams. Edmonton won 3-2 and Monday and have won all five of their matchups with the Sens. This season, in regulation, Drysaddle McDavid have 10 points each in those games. Mike Smith will get the start for the Oilers. Kyle Turris will miss the game after being added to the COVID list. Meanwhile, according to reports, Oilers interested in Sabres forward Eric Stahl. Stahl, pending UFA, has a partial no-trade clause, but he's in Buffalo 
So I'm guessing he's open to any trade, even if it is Edmonton. Late start in Vancouver tonight as the Habs visit the Canucks. 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 local for viewers in Vancouver. They can see it on Sportsnet Pacific. Elias Pettersson will miss his fourth straight game with an upper body injury. The 3-0. Thatcher Demko, big part of that. He'll make his fourth straight start for the Canucks, looking for his fifth straight win and his seventh start in the last eight games. Carey Price counters for the Habs, so another great goaltending matchup. Demko, Price, Chris Johnston reported it yesterday, and today the NHL announced they had reached a deal with the Walt Disney Company. They own ESPN and ABC. To bring hockey back to ESPN and ABC. Seven-year deal reportedly worth $2.8 billion, with a B dollars. Includes 25 national regular season games on ESPN, plus 75 games per season that will stream on ESPN Plus and Hulu. Commissioner Gary Bettman spoke about the deal today. Who knew? This reflected the reality of what the media world's looking like now. Uh, everybody knows that there's cord cutting and everybody knows that the streaming platforms are growing dramatically. For our fans, uh, this is an opportunity, our younger fans, to give them what they want on the places where they go for content. So for us, this was the best of both worlds. We're, we're getting the linear exposure that more traditionally we need and want. And at the same time, we're on the cutting edge of what's coming with streaming. You just wonder how they'll be able to attract people to that streaming. Uh, all right, our business teams tends to attract people uh, who love a lot of attention. And because of it, we got a lot of fakes and phonies uh, running in and acting like they love sports. My next guest, without a doubt, Loves the attention, but he is as genuine as they come and has been hugely supportive over the years. It is Kenny Reed who joins me in studio. Ke- Sorry, Kenny. Yo, what's up? We're on, is that one night only? that you? Yeah, were? I was just reading one of the oh. six books I've authored. Oh, nice. And uh, you've got one placed right in front oh, of you so that everyone can see. That's book, yeah. yeah. That's the uh, one I'm Actually, Den- right. I'm just going to put these out of, the, out of the way here right now. Sorry. Okay. And I'm right. just going to bring something else out of the set here. That's it. <laughs> What, what do we got there? That's well, some sort of trophy that you've brought up. Well, this is the deal. Since right. you've called the show Tim and Friends, okay. I figure I might as well, you know, make myself home here. And at home, I like to spend a lot of time basking in my own greatness in my trophy room. So I thought I would bring in one of my trophies. What the hell is that? There's golf. Tim, There's little golf guys. This is the prestigious Picto Golf and Country Club oh. Juvenile Championship Trophy. Oh. And, Sebi, if you zoom in here on the side... 1990. I'm pretty sure you can read who won the title. We have a we have a light issue. I've I been can't. told in my ear. I'm told to tilt it. I yeah. don't usually like to handle my trophies oh, without my white gloves. Oh, Kenny Reed, 1990. I can read it now. That's a 15 year old win in a 15, 16 year old division in a field of at least eight players. Nice. So that was. <laughs> as you can see it's in tremendous shape. Yeah. Well, it can adjust for the camera. What about? Poor Daniel McDonald, who uh, uh, won it the year before you. No, he's You're, there for 95. Now, the, the other big name it. on here, uh, yeah, there's some big names on here now. The sad thing is I also, in 1987, won the Picto Junior Golf and Country Club Most Improved Player. Right. And the coolest part about that was my name was on the trophy, and Teapot had won it a few years late, earlier, so Teapot's name was on it as well. All right, well, Teapot, uh, one of the great hockey players of Picto County yeah. lore. Uh, and we're going to talk a little hockey right now, Kenny. Sweet. Let's do it. Time now for 3 of 31, brought to you by the GMC Sierra AT4, the premium off-road pickup truck built 
for adventure. Kenny Reed moves his trophy <laughs> while we bring on longtime friend of, of the Elliot. show, Elliot Friedman. Elliot, how are you, and are you impressed with Kenny Reed's juvenile title at the Picto Golf and Country Club? I got to tell you, Kenny, I'm more impressed with the hair. I thought I would come on with the longest and most unruly lid on this show. You look good, man. Buddy, I think with the turtlenecks and what we have going on here, I'm following you. I think if you and I got in the flux capacitor and went back to 1991, we could get a tryout for a junior B team. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you could. You know? You know I, by the way, i got to tell you, like that jacket you're wearing, yep. I have the same jacket. <laughs> it's it's my favorite one. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that Deb Berman got it at a two-for-one sale. <laughs> she like, must have. That's the first time I, I... And by the way, McAuliffe, I'm not mad at you. I just didn't want to embarrass Grange <laughs> on the air. Well, it wasn't you. It was his makeup that embarrassed Grange. Yeah. <laughs> I, brought, I brought mine, so I won't have that issue. <laughs> and, and i got to tell you, I spent about 20 extra minutes doing makeup today, because if you're going to chirp someone else, you can't. <laughs> you know? What the beauty part you can't is show up bad. about 15 minutes before you guys went on Grange goes Elliot at about 4:45 he goes so do we have makeup or do we do our own makeup <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he did his own makeup for those who are wondering why the hell dudes wear makeup on TV uh, my fat greasy head would just shine like it was an apple in a grocery store if yeah. we didn't put some sort of powder on it. So it's just to avoid us looking greasy. Although I, I got to tell you, Tim, us. as my buddies tell me, you should probably wear it in real life, too. <laughs> yeah, you do look we, better with it on real life. We've known a few guys that have worked in this business who would go out at to the bars afterwards? Yeah, Why are you wearing makeup? <laughs> well, I just got off television. No, no, no. I got a better one. I, I don't like to be the guy who's always topping, but I got a better one than that. Right. I know one guy who, when he was single, oh, I can't believe I'm telling the story on the air, he would wear his IFB on it, like his jacket. Oh, <laughs> and, wow. oh, I forgot to take that off. I was like, that is so bad. You can say Sid's name now. He's no longer here. <laughs> he doesn't work here anymore. You're good. Yeah. You're good. Hey, so we're going to talk hockey? Sure. Okay, Okay, Elliot, first question's got yeah. nothing to do with hockey. Uh, the XFL come up in the news today. I've yeah. never asked you the story of this. Oh, God. It's my all-time favorite XFL moment. I figure, where, what better place to ask you than on national television? Oh. This is the score party for the XFL. Now, the limo pulls up, right? And there's people waiting for WWF stars. Third angle. Yeah. Can, can you take me through the, the ride in the limo, how you got into the limo, what happened, and how you nailed that walk? Well, you know, I got to tell you, I don't remember. Like, this, this, by the way, has been ending up in my Twitter feed and my... In my messages Sorry. a ton late. I can't believe you're just playing it. Oh, I can't believe it's on a loop. I, I was and, and I don't really remember the full story, Ken. I just remember we were hosting the XFL party and Martin was hosting it. Um, I can't remember who else was involved, but I, like, I was supposed to take a limo to it. I don't think I was supposed to be the first shot. Yeah. And then they said, no, you're going to be the first shot. And I was like, why? <laughs> and uh, and But what I didn't hear, because I was wearing an IFB, was people booed me. Yeah. And then later on, people were like, you know, they all booed you. And I was like, no, I had no idea. It's just, now, I don't remember the full story, but it just brings, I just laugh whenever do, I see do, it. Do, do, do you think they booed you because you were a good wrestling heel or just out of just utter disappointment? <laughs> I, I think it's B, utter disappointment. Yeah. Did you purposely leave me as one of the hosts out of that conversation? Martin Geyer. It was myself and Greg Sansoni who were the hosts of the thing. Martin was also there. I the honestly hell? didn't remember. All I re the reason I remember Martin is because they set it up with Kurt Angle grabbing the mic out of her hand, right? Oh, yeah. And huh. people thought it was real. Like, he just, you know, ripped the mic out of Martin's hand. I remember we had a ton of emails about it. That they had to answer to people after saying that was set up. So it's not that I 
intentionally forgot you and Greg. Wow. It's just that you guys weren't as memorable, I guess. Yeah, well, Speaking of quarantine looks, look at McCalla. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this picture before you said not as memorable, but those wisps of hair are actual <laughs> real hair. I That's have, certainly I, memorable. I have another follow-up on this, Elliot. Oh, okay. <laughs> How so long were you in the limo for? Where did the limo pick you up? Did you walk 100 yards down King Street to the limo, or was were you at a pre-party? I don't, I don't remember all of this stuff. I honestly, like, until this... <laughs> Liar. <laughs> until, yeah. this, until this ended up on my Twitter feed <laughs> a thousand times in the last few days, <laughs> I had kind of... It, it's kind of a repressed memory. I locked it away. I, I know. It was 100 yards down yeah. the street, and they said, load up limo number one. <laughs> limo number one's coming through. And it just so happened that limo number one, because they were teasing right. all the WWE stars, happened to be Elliot Friedman. <laughs> and there were other people in the limo, but the camera just follows <laughs> Fridge. So poor Fridge is, look, you can see people behind him. Might even have been Brian Spear. Who, who was, was the guy opening you. the door? Like, I want to know his story. See, I want the origins of this. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is I remember at that time I was hosting, uh, I think that we didn't have the Canadian University football yet, Tim. I think it was still on Channel 11, CHCH yeah. TV. Yeah. And I was hosting that at the time. And the next week, they used that as their opening shot without <laughs> telling me. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, readers already hijacked this stuff. I want to I follow up on the story that I ended with, and that was the ESPN deal with the yeah. NHL. How big is this fridge for the league? It's a big deal for the league because, you know, last year uh, the U.S. TV rights were $200 million from NBC. I think the, the average is $200 million. I think the actual number is $240 this, for this past se this season. But the average is $200, and I think there was a $100 million a year streaming rights deal with ESPN+. And... You know, the NHL, I think, pre-pandemic was hoping to get from about 200 million to 700 million. And then the pandemic hit, and I know they were concerned. Now, the number, I, I think, is between 410 and 420. Um, so it's an increase. There's no question about that. We know there's a secondary deal here coming, which will involve three out of the next seven Stanley Cups. So it won't be as large a number as the you know, 410-ish, 420-ish number we're talking about here. But they're probably going to get to somewhere around 600 million plus. So I think overall they will take that as a win. I, I know that last summer, you know, people were worried. People were concerned. It was one of the biggest questions Batman got. What do you think the new TV deal was going to be? And, you know, I, I think when you, when you look at this number and... I thought the most interesting thing about this day was they didn't announce the number. We had to go search it. I think they will more likely see what the second deal is and then kind of see where we are. But I think everybody, like the Board of Governors, I think are feeling better about it after they found out Monday what it was going to be. I think there was concern before. So overall, I think people will take this as a W and say that Bettman did the best he could in a very difficult time. This can seem like inside baseball for broadcast geeks like us, but but this is huge. I mean, how desperately in need of cash is is the league right now, given that people, for the most part, can't go to games? I think there was 4,500 in Columbus last night, but I, I, how do you even evaluate revenue going forward based on what's happened? Well, I think it's a big, it's a very big question, Ken, and I, and I think that a cash infusion is 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 very important to the National Hockey League. Um, you know, the other thing too is is that. You know, the Texas Rangers just announced today that and they obviously have an outdoor stadium. They're going to have a full ballpark. We can't even conceive of that in Canada yet. And Canada is 35% of the revenue, right? So 
not only is it an issue about numbers coming back, it's also an issue about numbers coming back in certain places. You know, right here, right now in this country, which is one third of the revenue, we don't have fans in the building and the way our vaccinations are going, we can't see it for the foreseeable future. So this is a very huge bump. It's, it's very important uh, to the teams, no question about it. I think the other thing we're learning is that helmet ads are here to stay. Um, that was another thing that was talked about in the Board of Governors call on Monday, that they're learning they see real value there. And so we're going to see those uh, in the future stay. Um, I do think at some point in time we'll see jersey ads too. So we're in a situation right now where you have to be willing to try new things and, and find new things. And that's why, you know, a couple of weeks ago when the NHL played the outdoor games in, in Lake Tahoe, they took, they took some heat for the fact that they had to move that first game after they started. I don't think this league can afford to be afraid anymore. I don't think the league can afford to not take chances anymore. So, you know, the thing about this deal that's interesting is ESPN's only airing 25 games a year, or ESPN ABC on television. This is as big a streaming deal as the NHL has, has seen in addition to the one that we have. And I think it's just showing where everybody thinks the world is kind of going that streaming is going to be as important as over-the-air television. Elliot, I don't want to get our hands slapped uh, by keeping you on too long by the big bad no, hockey good. group. No, we're good. Um, but uh, Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey features the Sens and the Oilers. Will you be talking about Eric Stahl or any whispers surrounding Eric Stahl and perhaps, I don't know, Edmonton? Look, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that one of the biggest things that's going to be a question, Tim, is going to be for teams like the Oilers, and the Maple Leafs, and anybody who's looking to add is, the teams that you're dealing with, how much salary are they willing to retain? Like, I think Edmonton can do things, but I don't know if they can do things at a full salary if Buffalo simply wants to move money in cases like Eric Stahl. Like, I don't think there's a lot of teams out there that are willing to add money, so that is good for the buyers. Right. But also, a lot of the buyers, they're right at the cap, or they're already in LTIR. So I think one of the questions is going to be, are what are some of these sellers willing to do to make these deals happen? And, um, you know, I, I'll tell you this. I, I wouldn't be surprised, too, if Toronto is a team that's kind of looked into stall because he can play center, he can play left wing. Um, I think he's a really talented guy who's looking to be recharged. Um, I, I, you know, I think there's going to be a few teams that look at stall, and I think Edmonton is definitely going to be one of them. I like the gaps you pointed out in the skeds for some teams. Uh, I think you pointed to the Leafs in particular a week yep. or so about on hockey night. That, that's such a huge part of this. It's uh, something yep. obviously you'd never consider in any other year, especially, you know, cross-border, obviously. Well, also, too, Ken, you know, you know right now that if you're dealing with a player that you're trading into Canada, you're going to need two-plus weeks before they can really get into your lineup. There's the two-week quarantine, and then there's... You know, hey, look what happened with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Winnipeg thinks that the, the layoff did play some role in him getting hurt pretty quickly. So you want to move as quickly as possible. And, you know, Toronto's got a big gap after their Wednesday game or after their Thursday game tomorrow, five games in 14 days. So you know the way Kyle Dubas thinks. It wouldn't surprise me if he'd say this would be an opportune time for us if we can do it. Coming first out of the limo, <laughs> out of York Mills Collegiate in North York, Ontario, weighing in at two, <clears throat> Elliot 
Friedman. Hey, he was 195 then. Look how no, spelt yeah, yeah. I was. I was definitely not 195 then. <laughs> well, the camera's shooting from the bottom. That's an unflattering position. Did Come you ever, on, did you ever watch uh, Friends, uh, Ken? Oh, yeah, for sure. How many uh, camera adds 10 pounds? Well, how many cameras are on you? <laughs> you know yeah, what? I hear you. I, 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 the, the thing is, I was joking about this with one of my one of my buddies the other day when this thing was coming up. I said, I, like, my tombstone, somebody's going to put that in a rolling loop on it. <laughs> no. Yeah, in your turtleneck, though. They'll airbrush your turtleneck <laughs> yeah. on it. Uh, Fridge, always appreciate it. Wouldn't be Tim and Friends without you. Hey, Tim. Hey, Ken. Great chat with you guys. Be well, man. Hey, yeah, buddy. There is uh, Elliot Fridge. I love good sports. When you can just chirp away at each other and, you know. This is what this should be. It should be natural. We should chop Grange's makeup on a yeah. text and then you fire back. Don't say a damn word about that trophy, yeah. though. Well, it's kind of ridiculous. Can Time you say for a damn break. on this show? When we come back, I believe so. Yeah, you've uh, we're said douchebag before. We're just talking about rivers and dams, right? Yeah, sure. When we come back, Ken Reed here. So we got to talk hockey cards? What you, he's dipping into the pocket. What do you got there? No! I called Ken Reed uh, about Tim and Friends, and I just said, I, I want people to come on and be themselves. He interrupted me and started talking about hockey cards mm -hmm. and said, when he comes on, we're going to talk hockey cards. And then I see, uh, as we're going to break, reach into the pocket and pull out hockey cards. Like, yeah. what the hell is going on here? Hey, audio slave, man. To be yourself is all that you can do. That's a pack of 9091 Upper Deck. You also mentioned you like the shoes. Right. Uh, and as, shoes I, are as I told you, buddy got them for me in Turkey. Oh, now I'm the worst part is I have a matching belt, but <laughs> Hold on, slow down. it's way too big, the belt. Slow down. Your buddy got them for you in Turkey. Yes. When I think of uh, houses of fashion, yeah. Turkey doesn't jump to mind. Well, apparently it should. Not... It should? Because right. they're wicked awesome shoes. Thanks, Hutchman. <laughs> well, I disagree. I don't want to rip on Hutchman. So, yeah. hold on. 9091. Now, Upper deck. this is quickly in my head. Like, is this Mike Ricci? Yes, nice. Is that nice. Darian nice. Hatcher? Nice, is that... nice. Yeah, it's the first year Upper Deck Owen hockey Nolan? cards. Yes, Owen Nolan's rookie. But I, I also collect baseball cards. So I mentioned I wanted to make myself at home here. So a little love for Real Cormier. Oh, From nice. St. André Le Blanc, Nouveau Brunswick, about 40 minutes outside of Moncton, Chediac as well. Uh, Real passed away this week. And to have a guy, uh, you know, I grew up not far from Moncton, and to have a guy from close by to Moncton make it to the bigs and Vince Horseman down in Halifax make right. it to the bigs, that is absolute insanity. Uh, Real Cormier, 16 years in the bigs, passed away from cancer, just 53 years old. So lots of love for Real. Former Moncton Met. Bill Lee played for the Moncton yeah. Mets. Real played for the Moncton Mets. Rash so, brought up the Moncton Mets yesterday. Yeah. We've got a couple of East Coasters here. Let's just... That's awesome. I love that you did that. Yeah, for sure. You guys can keep that in the studio, and that's way more important than this trophy of mine. So, yeah, that there damn you go, trophy Real. that's sitting in there. Why, why, why aren't you putting it in the, the, the holder that you put in this studio oh, before? Yes. Well, no, this one right here, this SN one. You put it in the studio before the show, yeah. and I was sitting on the desk, and 18 people asked me if they can move this thing. I said, no, Kenny needs it for I need later. It. I need it. And then they moved it halfway through the show. People are distracting me, yes. moving it away yes. and stuff. So put the card in there, okay. and we're going to leave it there for a while. It's perfect. Perfect. So, yes, 90-91 Upper Deck. Hockey cards are crazy again. I can't believe it. But None of those are worth anything. Here's the thing. Probably not. So this is the first year Upper Deck got in on the hockey card game. Is this So, you, you know, a few bucks, right? right? You can go on eBay and get a Sundin rookie for a two, three bucks. If it's right. French, it's worth a little bit more. But people are buying old packs. 
Uh, so, for instance, like a couple years ago, you could buy a whole box of this, 36 packs, for probably 5 to 10 bucks. Right. Now you're looking at, boom, like 70 bucks, maybe really? up, upwards of that. Because my collection it's taken is full off. of those cards that are worth a penny apiece. Of course a piece. they are. So what I love about going <laughs> through these old things is you get together with, you know, you have a couple beer. Right. You and I, we, we're not going to drink on air. We drank before the show. Right. So we're going to open these up, and you just reminisce about guys you grew up with. And for our younger viewers, we'll educate you if we can. And there's some guys we probably won't know. Right, pop that thing open. Let's okay. go. And I love the sound. Don't you love the sound? It's a great sound. Nice microphone, too. So who are we looking for? Are we looking for anybody? Well, I guess you'd want an Owen Nolan rookie or something like that. Or Yager. 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 Steve Chason is our first card. Oh, look at that. And that did, did he not pass away after a cup win, which was kind of tragic? Okay, here we go. Here we go. Oh, a powerful man of the game of hockey now, Chris King. Oh, look at Chris King. Go. He's now working in the, uh, in the NHL. Chris Can you has flip a big that game. around? Because if I remember yeah. correctly, and I'm a bit of a nerd this way too, yes. there's a oh. great back picture on that. Buddy, I love how you knew this. <laughs> Chris King, look at that. With the upper deck shirt. I, I remember stupid things. Now, if he could get his teammate from this set, Troy Millette, Troy was tarp off, just in his locker, just posing. Like, for the card? Yeah, for the I card. I don't remember that, and I remember yeah. the Chris Well, I work with Chris King. Well, so. it was in one of my books, Hockey Card Stories, too. Oh, nice. Thanks for watching. <laughs> uh, Where can you get that? Uh, on Amazon? Find bookstores everywhere. <laughs> Next up from the Winnipeg Jets, and Brent so Hughes. You know, just oh, a okay. good, solid, early yeah. 90s mustache. Yeah. <laughs> See, these were good cards to get in this set from your World Junior Champions, Carl Dykehouse. So that oh, was a, that was look at that. The yeah. John Slaney Upper Deck Rookie from this set used to sell for 20 bucks on the island of Newfoundland. So that's right. that's how. Cause that cards was the John Slaney year, the score from the point. Saskatoon, exactly. That was the year. This guy I always thought was going to be a really good player, but he was always a tweener up and down between the NHL and the IHL. Also played for the North Stars, Tony Herkus. I always oh, thought he yes. was going to be big. The Herkus Circus at he had University good flow, too. of North Dakota, I think. I believe, yeah. We can look what on the back. On the back? Uh, doesn't go back that far. Yes. Herkus had 125 points in 48 games with the U of say, and Dakota that, in 87. Say that again. Herkus had 125 points in 48 games. With 125 points in, in 48 games. Well, I hope he won the Hobie Baker that year. They called it the Herkus Circus. There you go. People think I'm not a hockey guy. Hey, yeah, Kenny, exactly. How about that, huh? you're pulling this Gotta work on hockey night in Canada to know anything about okay, hockey. If you, if you know this guy, I'd be impressed. <laughs> oh, now that's that's a haircut you can set your watch to. Now, now this is a bold move going with this haircut in 1990. Right, you got to move because I want to bring up this top shot. Okay. What's this okay, 1990. I want my WHL passport, right? I want my mullet. But uh, this youngster went with the oh, short look. Yeah. Okay, we're moving now. Oh, tough guy. He had some epic tilts when he was with the Bruins yeah, against did. Chris Nyland, Jay Miller. Scotty Boston Young guy. from the Whale, Brass Bonanza. Robert Reichels, <laughs> solid young gun back in the day. Now <laughs> hold cruising. on, hold on. Can, oh. we, can we slow this down? Because this has been bad. You just said hurry up. <laughs> no, but, you blanched, you blah, make I, up your mind. <laughs> I know, but this, this is a bad pack of cards. Okay, no, it's going to get good. Okay. Okay, uh, yeah, Troy Karkner. But now it's going to get good. <laughs> right. This is the card you'd want. It's the high number series. This was the line. Stephen Rice, Chris Draper, and the Big oh, E. Oh, nice. Seniors. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> a lot of cards. Stephen Rice, my second all-time favorite Cape Breton Oiler, next to the Fabian Joseph. Uh, did you know that uh, Chris Draper played for the Canadian national team before he played in the OHL? In fact, played in the NHL mm -hmm. before he played for the Ottawa 67s in the OHL. I did know that because that was also in my second book, Hockey Card Stories 2. Thanks for reading, Tim. Nice. That's where yeah. I got it from, That's and I was awesome. setting you up. Okay, but, good. All right, it was a lob. Yeah. 
And we'll finish her off with John Carter. So there you go. Classic right. old cards. Beauty. All right. Now, hold on. I don't know if we have time for this, but do you know anything about MB? Because you're a collector. You're obviously a collector. You're a bit of self-professed nerd. You screamed yes. it as we went to break. Yes. Do you know anything about NBA Top Shot? I do. Do you embrace the idea? Okay. Do you understand the idea? I hate technology. Yeah. Grange said I would hate it. I'm cool with it. Because it's a way to collect. Uh, that's obviously a new way for a lot of years. The sports card industries try to figure out what that next thing is. They found it. Um, man, I think it should make its way to the NHL. It would help uh, what we talked about, the old HRR. Revenues. And people are making some coin off it. I don't know if I'd be interested in it. Like, I don't want to pay for a highlight that I can see on Sportsnet Central. Weeknights at 10 Eastern with Canada Bonk. Yeah, have anything else Bonk to plug? back in April, by the right. way. Right. Uh, not really. I haven't written a book in a while. But, uh, yeah, I understand the Top Shot thing. It's, it's pretty cool, and the money is insane. Okay, for those who don't know, Jesse kind of has prepared a little bit of an explanation about what NBA Top Tutorial. Shot is. And it's basically digital cards, right, Jesse? Yeah, I mean, I'm the digital producer. I got to put together something on the digital trading cards, and it's pretty exciting, I got to say, because... Uh, you look at the amount of money that is exchanging hands right now in this industry, and I am all about Top Shot. I have the cards. Now, are you into I'm, it because you like the idea, or is it because of the money? Because I've been hearing about the money, too. Well, there's flippers and there's collectors. Why don't we pull up the it's primer? It's like cards. It's usually yeah. a little bit of both. Exactly. Right? We have a primer board that we have essential things that you need to know about NBA Top Shot. So, Kenny, this is for you and for uh, all the viewers that may not know what Man, it's nice NBA to have a millennial on the is. payroll, isn't it? So uh, <laughs> it's the digital future of the trading card market. You buy and sell individual highlight clips, or they call them moments, mm -hmm. okay? So the dollar value of each moment depends on the rarity of the card. So it's similar to physical trading sure. cards. If they don't yeah. make very many, then you're not going to get much money for them. Mm -hmm. The way it works with the MBA and the MBA PA, the reason why they're so invested in this, is there's a 5% transaction fee on every single buy and sell, uh, okay. and they get a share of that. That's not just the first buy and sell. That's no, every that's every, single? every seller transaction. So, that, so the difference between that and these cards is the NHL would only get its fee from the, the sale of this pack, right. and if I pull out this card and I sell it for 20 bucks, they don't get a cent of that. Correct. Wow, that's huge. So over $230 million in sales to this point, which wow. is just absolutely ridiculous and i want to ask you what do you think of all the top shots so far what do you think the most expensive moment has been bought for because this will put sort of like a ballpark of what I, we're looking at I, I i just read that thing in the first hour so mm -hmm. i'm going to excuse myself from it mm -hmm. because i think i have an idea of what it sold for well i just want to confirm the most expensive moment was bill lambert giving kurt rampus a ddt in 1987. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think and how much yet, is that but, but I, I guarantee you that's that, what i want it, yeah that would be a great top shot uh i've heard ridiculous numbers um i'm gonna a say bucks. a million bucks okay it's not that much okay those, those expectations are a little high but i will show right now the lebron james dunk that had only 49 made number right, 29 made, yeah, was purchased right. For two hundred and eight thousand dollars wow. U.S. Wow! And this is all it is. You're looking at it right now. You said it earlier. You can look at it on YouTube if you right. really want to, right? Right. But it's the packaging. It's the way they've organized it. And it's like any other market. If someone is willing to pay for it, 
then you might as well sell it, right? Well, it's like it makes sense, right? Because we're kind of gone from a brick-and-mortar society, and young young people don't necessarily value things they can hold but value things they can see. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah, and... See, I got to understand this. Where do you brag about it? That's that's the part okay. for me. Okay, so I'll tell you exactly where you brag about it. Because everyone of the does guys, this to brag, like Kenny. Right, one of the guys on our team, <laughs> on the Tim and Friends team, shout-out to Matty Mo. Yeah. He actually sold one last night, and let's play the clip of exactly what the highlight is, and we'll try and determine exactly how much money we is think this the Rambus Mo. slam beer okay. thing no this is a DeJounte Murray layup <laughs> what okay a DeJounte Murray layup so, so, so the possibilities for this are endless I want to buy a LeBron travel that would okay, be that's nice. all this was so okay it's that's DeJounte Murray he's a San Antonio Spurs he's a good little player but that's all like it is is a layup bucks. right so he kind of calls me last night he's like yeah just sold this. How much do you think it went for? Fifteen bucks. Yeah, like twenty-five bucks. Like eight hundred and forty dollars. Shout that's out insane. to Maddie. Mo. What's the initial cost on that? Like, well, okay. I so, think it was a hundred. His was a hundred. That okay. was a hundred dollar pack. Yes, that was a hundred dollar pack. Exactly. You can line up in a queue and you can buy. They have different dro pack drops for different amounts of money, or you can just go buy a moment if you want right now. You could go on and spend two hundred eight thousand dollars. Amazing. And buy a LeBron James. Oh, the uh, NHL highlight. Let me ask you a question. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any packs? I do. Would you be willing to open one of your packs on this show? Not only will I be willing, I would be thrilled to do that. Kenny, I think it would be week, very fun. Mm -hmm. When you come back, mm -hmm. you want to open his pack? Could you rephrase that? <laughs> 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 All right, time for a break. When we come back, perfect time. Uh, start now. hotline, please. <laughs> I didn't say package. I said pack. All right. Do you, have a, do you have a Ty Domi rookie card, Kenny? Yeah, keep talking your way yeah. out of it. Do you have a Max Domi rookie card? <laughs> keep going. you got 20 seconds to kill, bud. <laughs> All right. Uh, when we come back, Max Domi will join us. Uh, our guy has been around for a while. He will rejoin us, and we will move on from the previous conversation. You better. It's a pack of cards. I guess it's not really a pack of cards. Yeah, keep going. Pack buddy. of highlights. And he's aggressive too. I enjoy doing it. Obviously, I get to hang out with cool dudes like you, so I can't complain. Where? You see cool dudes show up, please let me know. <laughs> Thanks, Max. Really, really appreciate it. Our next guest has gone back with us for a while, but makes his first appearance on Tim and Friends as a friend of the show from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Max Domi. Max, uh, welcome back, kind of. What's up, Tim? Hi, buddy. I'm good. Kenny Reed sitting beside me, uh, and our boy Sid Sixero made his debut on breakfast television earlier today. He you, sucked, by the could, way. <laughs> you can be honest. Did you ever see our boy Sixero becoming a morning show guy? No, I didn't peg him as a morning guy. No. I mean, that's that's an early morning. No, what time do you got to wake up for that? Like three. Three or four. Yeah, he said 3.15 yeah. was the wake-up call. His mom called him this morning. God's on his truth. His mom called him to wake wow. him up this morning. Don't lie. He was oh, sleeping good, at his mom's house. <laughs> he was sleeping <laughs> in his mom's basement. <laughs> uh, Max, you can be honest. Um, you know, we don't often catch guys in, in a quandary on national television, but when you called Sid cool a couple years ago on TV, <laughs> we just saw it in the intro, um, was it awkward for you to lie on national television? How did you make it so convincing? <laughs> 
No, you know, I think I think both Tim and Sid are, are two of the coolest guys I've ever met because I think the coolest people are the people that are just them. And uh, nowadays, it's it's rare to meet someone that stays true to who they who they actually are. And, and both those two are very true to who they are. And uh, not only in life, but I mean, in camera too, which is even more impressive. So uh, you guys are one and two on my coolest, that's for sure. You know, what's funny is I, I introduced Kenny the exact same way. Like our business is full of phony people because they love attention, and Kenny <laughs> Kenny loves attention, and Sixero loves attention, but they're also genuine. So I love yeah. it. So you, Kenny might make a push for number three then. Right? I, I'm yeah. trying, buddy. I've been trying to ease my it. way in. And so we just we just showed the promo of you snowing uh, Tim and Sid on the ice. Um, you got to be, be honest with me. When Sid skated out and you realized he couldn't skate, what went through your mind? <laughs> that actually surprised me a little bit. I thought he'd be a lot better than he was. Um, so that was a little bit of a letdown. But you know what? He was a trooper, and he, he took the snow right to the face. So, yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was a good one. Good memory. Me, yeah, but, but what's surprising to me is I know a lot of you players are all about core weight, and Sid has core weight. I thought he'd, you know. <laughs> He does. Have, they were hold on. They were rental wheels. Do you remember the wheels <laughs> yeah, that we got? Oh my I remember. god! I remember. They were I think awful. You even, did you even have black laces in yours yeah. or something too? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly. Rental wheels. Style. Not as yeah. if my wheels are any better or You're my, not bad. Yeah. my skating. We were on the same men's league hockey team. Yeah, you Kenny got a wicked half clapper, bud. Half clapper. That's me. So yeah, hey, listen. Tim, Tim can snap it around for sure. He can. Hundred percent. A little bit. Uh, hand, hands of gold, uh, feet of lead. Um, bit, of a, bit of a temper too. <laughs> yeah, bit of a temper. Um, I know, I know you're looking forward and not back, but I also know how much you enjoyed your time in Montreal and playing for those fans. What, was it tough to move on from the Canadians? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I, I think there's there's ways that you you move on professionally and, and just life in general, but um, some things just are, are always going to be part of you. And, and I know it was only two years, but those two years were. It's like a lifetime for me, and it's just something that I'll always look back on as, as some of the best memories of my life and got to play with some great teammates and, and had some success, no doubt. But, um, you know, I'm with the Columbus Blue Jackets now, and I'm very happy about that. Um, that being said, I'll always be an Arizona Coyote, and I'll always be a Montreal Canadian. So uh, it's definitely um, something that I, I really enjoyed. So I've, I've uh, switched TV stations, radio stations, a few times in my career. And, and usually when you do, you, you come in and you meet your new teammates and you might go out for a pop or two and, yeah. and you get to know one another. Um, what's the adjustment been like this year? Cause, because as far as I, I know, you guys, you can't go to dinner together or, or kind of let loose, can you? Like, yeah. Is it tough that way? 100%. And, I mean, I think guys are starting to talk about it a little bit more now, but um, it, it's a challenge. Um, I think for everyone, not just guys that have been traded, but – um, in particular, I can speak on my experience of, of when you're in the bubble. I mean, lots of guys um, obviously try to turn that into a positive. We're all just so excited to play hockey, and and then we're very lucky. You're making money to play a sport and um, best league in the world. It's 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 awesome. There's there's no complaining, and I don't think uh, I don't want people to uh, misinterpret what I'm trying to say. But it's a grind, mm-hmm. and um, the lifestyle in general, it's it's, it's a lot, and. Um, when you when you take away fans, which is, is a big part of the experience, a big part about being a pro, you take away the ability to even really um, spend some time with your teammates. And it's, it's, it's a sport that is such a team-oriented sport that you, you need those those hours away from the rink, whether it's grabbing a beer, going to grab dinner, or hanging out at the hotel, or even in the locker room for that matter. Uh, I mean, now we got limits of, of how. I mean, you're getting ready for an NHL game, and you look around. There's there's space between every guy. There's guys getting dressed. 
on, on little chair, fold up chairs. There's guys in the lounge getting dressed. It's just, um, it's, it's so foreign and so different. Um, I think the league's done a great job and each individual team and training staff has done an awesome job, but it, it's been a lot. It's been a lot in the players, a lot of, a lot of away time from your family and your, and your kids, um, or whatever it might be. Um, and then at, at home too, when you go to the rink, you're at the rink with your buddies on the ice and then you get out of there as fast as possible because they don't want you hanging around. And then you're at home waiting to kind of hit the same thing on repeat the next day. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's not, it's not easy by any means. It's still, uh, it's an adjustment period. And I think a lot of guys are struggling more than you, you'd think. Um, but Hey, we're on the same, same boat. And like I said, I don't want it to come across as us kind of complaining no, no. or no. feeling sorry for ourselves, but it, it has been a challenge. That's for sure. Uh, and you didn't have to play into Kenny's fantasy about beers because he's old school. We know it's vodka water now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not beer anymore. Um, oh, I got on the vodka water one night. It didn't end well. I'm going to stick to the pops. <laughs> you, can't, you can't have as many. Get the Tito's going or what? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I got a little Red Bull in there too. You know? <laughs> uh, let me ask Breaking you this. Because yeah. you, you, you just mentioned about playing uh, in front of empty stadiums. And I know that you got 4,500 in Columbus, but – has like how much of an adjustment is it to go from you know twenty thousand fans screaming and 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 pumping some energy into the veins to uh, doing it yourself in front of like has there been a noticeable difference playing in front of nobody? Oh man, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And I mean, this is going back before I even traded playing in the bubble, and at least in that, it's it's, it's playoff hockey and um, the series. I mean, you you have a chance to win the cup and all this stuff. So even then, it's still a struggle. Um, but regular season games and you're coming into it, and like I said, all the all the other factors that I talked about, um, it makes it tough. It, it really does. Um, we're lucky. I think we're second in the league now for um, amount of fans. And I'm telling you, like even at the start, we had like a eight nineteen hundred or whatever it was when we first opened up a little bit. The fans, it made it sounded like there was like fifty thousand people in there. Um, right. That's just you get so accustomed to that uh, atmosphere and that environment. And uh, for myself, again speaking personally, I, I definitely feed off of the crowd. I get energy from that, and uh, part of my game is, is just using that energy to, to make plays or, or to backcheck here or to do whatever you have to do. Um, sometimes when, when you're down a goal or whatever it might be and you're down two goals and there's, there's a power play um, for your team, like you need that big penalty kill, like that, that little extra boost makes a big difference. And it's just the mental side of things that you don't realize how much the crowd actually plays into it um, as a player. Um, so I think it's something that, um, is overlooked a little bit, and it's, it's, it's not an excuse. It's just a reality. Is a lot of guys in our profession really um, kind of lean on that crowd to to, to help in, in different situations, not just to get them going. I mean, you're, you're not always going to feel great, but it's more so like to actually like get that little hyper focusing in, in a game is, is is something that is a skill. But usually, um, you, you need that crowd to get into that mode. When the cannon goes off and it's quiet, who's the most frightened by the cannon on the <laughs> yeah, team? Yeah, that would scare the bleep. Oh out. man, I've I've jumped like <laughs> five or six times, um, and it's 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 great though. I I love playing in Columbus. It's it's a great group of guys. We're we're obviously we're struggling a little bit this year. I'm definitely struggling, and it's uh, we're we're trying to push through it. It's day by day, and you're just trying to find it. And eventually, the puck's going to start going in, kind of thing. But we got a great group, and um, we're we're looking forward to the challenge to work our way out of this hole we're in. But um, uh, I fully believe we can do that. Uh, being from Scarborough, if that cannon went off, I would hit the deck. Like I'd be underneath the bench immediately yeah. if I heard uh, that thing go off. See, I lived in Halifax. <laughs> I lived in Halifax, right? And the cannon goes off every day at noon at oh, Citadel yeah. Hill, which wakes you up from a light at the palace the night before. <laughs> oh, so yeah. it's all good. Understood. Or the liquor dome. Uh, <laughs> all right. Love that. Uh, appreciate you doing this. Uh, great catching up with you, and let's do it again soon, okay? 
All right, boys. Thank you. Tim, congrats on the new gig. Love it, man, and, and wish you guys all the best. Once a week, buddy. Appreciate That's it. all I'm here for with this guy. <laughs> Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Max. All right. Be well. Take care. Have a good one. See ya. Yeah, there is uh, Max Domi of the Columbus Blue Jacks. By the way, have we worked out our deal? How much I'm paying you? Well, I know what I'm getting paid. It's called Tim and Friends because friends do stuff for free. Hey, friend, you want to help me rake my yard? You got 20 bucks? No, I'm just dropping in to help. When when it opens back up, we'll we'll have a few drinks. A few uh, vodka waters? Hey, maybe we go to Cabot, and then after Cabot, we go down... It's close. To pick the lobster, Carl? Well, that too. I was going to say to Halifax. Oh, yeah, we'll go the there. Back. Let's go to Cabot first, though. Right. we got to bring Sid there, too. Right. Time oh. for one final break. We'll talk about when we're going to play Cabot, because this guy does it all the time. I, I want a trophy there before, there. too, the Reed Family Championship. Last call is next. We'll check in on Sid. Do you want to see Sid's breakfast television debut? Uh, I'll listen to the radio version. <laughs> Tim and friends, uh, Ken's still trying to get a word in edgewise, uh, but yeah. if you could just for a second hold off, Jesse Rubinoff, our digital producer, takes control of the final segment of the show, if you'll Seriously? allow it. Seriously? If you'll allow it. Whatever. Jesse's yeah, but first we've got a couple tweets we've got to address about NBA Top Shot. Okay. Uh, Duncan writes in, I'm going to need you to explain NBA Top Shots to my wife and why our kids' college fund is gone now. What? <laughs> spending right. everything. Duncan's going for it. Spending everything on Top Shot. Well, I just showed the guy who spent $120,000 on right. it and made millions. That's amazing. Millions. And uh, we got one more. Um, this is Jeff who writes, in the moment I've heard Tim ask Ken Reed <laughs> to open Jesse's package. <laughs> I did not say package. You, want, you said you want to open pack. his pack. That's what oh. I said. I said pack. Which is short for package. All right, let's do last call. You want to do it? I would you open that. What? <laughs> the Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Red Wings 4-3 in overtime last night, but a malfunctioning goal horn caused quite a distraction in the first period. The Don't first touch time the, horn. the horn inadvertently <laughs> sounded the officials stopped the game. <laughs> that it happened so often, right, they just decided to play through the horn. What? What? Let's hear it. We've heard the horn quite a few times tonight. It's going off inadvertently, I think. And John Cooper's I upset. Think. Watch this. Look at here. Watch this guy. Watch this guy. <laughs> In this season, there's the horn again. Are they just ignoring it? I head up, baby. Ignore the horn. Ignore the man behind the curtain. The horn's going off every minute. Literally every minute. That horn actually matters. This is the wrong theme right yeah. now. Here's the question for you, Timmy. <laughs> this is for me, not for Ken. Ken, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Go ahead. What's the uh, most annoying sound in the world? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Kenny just raises That's his me. head. <laughs> All right, move on. Let's move along quickly. Uh, well, you're going to get in trouble. Yeah, Since Xero made his debut on Breakfast Television this morning and gotten some uh, morning calisthenics, what? Sid was no, welcomed to his new gig by several celebrities, including Toronto Mayor John Tory, Raptor superfan Navbatia, and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. What? Wow. Good morning, BT. I just wanted to stop in and say congratulations to Sid on his first day. <laughs> For a decade, you've entertained Canadians with daily sports updates, and I know you'll continue to do that. 
And I know that you and Dina will also make sure that Canadians have all the information they need and more to start their day. So congratulations again. I look forward to joining you both soon. In the meanwhile, stay safe and healthy, everyone. <laughs> does, I mean, that's pretty cool. Does, doesn't he have better things to do? I'm just like... No, Sid's up there, man. <laughs> yes. Sid, did you watch it? And it's not just wait. That's no, the question. Did you I, I watch it? I actually sent Sid a message at 4 a.m. when I went to bed. Did good, you really? Good luck, because I was going to bed when he's getting up. So I'm here late, as you know. So, By the way, Vancouver, thanks for the 11 o'clock local start tonight. I'm thrilled about that. Yeah, they, 11 Eastern, they're playing 8 yeah. local in Vancouver tonight. So. Hopefully no horns go off inadvertently, or I'll be here really late. <laughs> let's, let's hope so. Speaking of Sid, his... Uh... <laughs> His pal, Sid's pal, Lionel Messi, scored a beautiful goal today in Champions League action in a 1-1 draw with Paris Saint-Germain. However, Barcelona was eliminated 5-2 on aggregate. Tim, is Messi a fraud? Not in club play, without a doubt. Not in, by the way, I don't know if Sixero is watching, but if he is, what happened to uh, Juve? <laughs> what happened to Cristiano Ronaldo? What are you looking at me for? <laughs> I found out last night there's a player in soccer called Bono. Uh, so I won't say, I will not say fraud, fraud. But I do get his point about international play. In club play, without, and he needs to leave Barcelona, although there's been enough problems. In Barcelona, yeah, right? we heard a lot of talk about uh, Cabot earlier. Maybe golf's more your thing, Kenny? Yeah. Let's go to golf. Well, obviously, golf's my thing. Did you yeah, see the trophy I brought in at the top of the hour? <laughs> the only time Kenny shut up was when we talked about soccer. So <laughs> That's how you make me be quiet. The Players' Championship begins tomorrow. Uh, last week's champion, Bryson DeChambeau, <laughs> I've been talking, taking an unconventional approach to the par 4 18th, saying he was thinking about trying to drive over the lake onto the ninth hole because he thought it would be an easier second shot. However... Tournament officials put an end to those thoughts by adding an internal out of bounds on the hole, citing spectator safety. Oh. Ken, does golf need to embrace Happy Gilmore's, I mean Bryson's, creativity? Absolutely. Dude finds a way to shorten it up and hit longer. Too bad for you. I, I hate those rules. At, at the Gallivan Golf Tournament I play every year, they say you can't go for number one because you have to carry it over the parking lot. Whatever. That's what people have auto insurance for. <laughs> Hold on a second here, though. I'm just going to make... There's there's one thing about this. I'm with you. They need to embrace mm -hmm. Bryson. Mm -hmm. However, there's no way to get to 9 from 18 at TPC Sawgrass. So it would take him like an hour. He'd have to go the long way around Whatever. to get to his ball. No. If he figured it out, he figured it out. way too slow. Well, this is exactly that, what it looks that's like. That's like saying there's only one road to get to your destination. He figured it out. Too no, bad, I, golf. I get that, but he's going to slow down an already slow game. Well, you can fit another beer in then. It's the beauty. You're out <laughs> well, there. Well, no. He can't fit in another. You could fit in another beer if you were playing, but they don't have a boat to take him across the water <laughs> to his landing well, spot on one. nine. They could afford one. He's got those, what, that Puma club? They can get a Puma boat. Be all good. Then we'll get into another argument about carts and golf. Look, and we'll you're just, you just don't relate because unlike Bryson and I, you don't hit the long yeah, ball. right. You want to go to a driving range to see who hits it longer? Uh, juvenile champion. Hey, me and Rubinoff against you right now. You got 16 seconds to. left. With what? See who hits the longest ball. In this room? Careful now. All right. <laughs> don't, make, don't make me take my tarp off. Kenny, appreciate you doing this. Uh, appreciate that you were, uh, um, that you were a friend 
and you didn't really censor yourself. I wanted it to be like this. Well, it's probably my last appearance here at Sportsnet, <laughs> so thanks very much. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you, Timmy. All right, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. This is how it's supposed to be. Tim and friends.